0: John chapter 9 is where we're going to be today. Can we mute this monitor by chance? It is it is muted. Okay. John chapter 9 is where we're going to be today, and we're going to be looking at a story from Jesus's ministry once again this morning, but I've entitled this series, Important Reminders, just a quick two-week series that I wanted us to jump into to talk about some of these key important things that I don't want us to lose sight of in these days that we're in. And so John's gospel is going to share with us what we're talking about in just a moment. I want to share a story with you um, about my childhood and growing up. One of the things that I was able and blessed to do is I was blessed to be able to grow up near and around the mountains of Colorado. And it was an incredible blessing because you get to just open the curtains on the morning and you can just see the wonderful Pikes Peak out in the distance. And it was just beautiful. And I love God's beauty in nature. I love seeing them and being in the mountains. There's, for me personally, I just love to be right there in God's creation, in His most beautiful creation. The mountains, in my opinion. Don't ask my wife, she'll tell you differently, but um, I love the mountains. And so as a teenager, we got to go and have our retreats in the mountains. So we, every year at our church would do an annual winter retreat, and we would go up to Horn Creek Ranch. Anybody ever been to Horn Creek Ranch? Nobody. Awesome. let me tell you about it, okay? <laughs> it was this great ranch that we would go and we would be there for a weekend. They'd feed us and we'd bring in special speakers and we'd have a great time together as our youth group. And this one particular year, the, the theme must have been faith and trust because we we played a bunch of group games that had to do with trust, had to do with team atmosphere. And so we would play, we would go, and, and this this particular year, there was probably 40 or 50 of us at this retreat, and, um our youth leader thought it would be a good idea to play trust, trust fall. Has anybody ever played Trust Fall before? Okay, I'm gonna put Matt on the spot. Matt, would you come help me for a minute? so if if you haven't met Matt yet, Matt step is our as our worship leader and our music director right now, and we're so glad to have Matt here. Would you just give him a hand for helping me out? what we haven't told Matt is that sometimes this happens and I spring things on him that he doesn't have any idea about. Right? Yeah. Yeah, He has no clue about this at all. Um, So we're going to play trust fall. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So here's the deal. Um, I'm going to put you to the test. Yeah. Come on, BJ. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. You got this figure. Don't go down there. Come up here. Come up here. Come up here. So we're going to play trust fall. Okay. So we're gonna see if you get to keep your job or not, right? Okay, so <laughs> you ready? Oh yeah, see he's he's strong too. Yeah, give him that now. Step back a little bit. Yeah, that was that was too easy, right? That was too easy. Let's try it again. You ready? Okay. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Do you want to go down there and we'll try it down there? No, okay. You can go have a seat. Thank you. So yeah. I'm so glad I can trust Matt to catch me. Uh, he's, he's, uh, he's good at that. So we decided to take it to a whole nother level, though, this year at, at retreat that year that we were there. And I was one of the smaller kids in our youth group at the time. I was kind of a scrawny little guy. And um, so they, they thought it'd be good. We'll start with you, BJ, because we'll know we'll catch you. So there's 40 or 50 people there. And what our youth leader decided to do was stack picnic tables on top of one another. And not just one picnic table, and we we got up onto the top of the table, and we fell back, kind of like this step, and we'd fall back, and everybody was there, and they'd catch us, and it was really cool, and it was kind of scary. Well, then he goes, let's stack a second table on top of that first table. He goes, BJ, get up there. Well, I'm scared of heights, as many of you know, so I thought the fall's not going to scare me, but the climbing up to the top of the second table is going to scare me. Well, we get up there, and so I'm just like, I'm wanting to get down as quickly as I can, And so I get up there and I fall backwards and they catch me and everything's great. Well, then our youth leader decides, you know what? If we can catch BJ, we can catch anybody. And our youth leader, he was probably 6'2", about 260, 270. um, Kind of a big stocky dude. And um, so Phil gets up on the second table. He goes, all right, you guys are going to catch me now. (sighs) So we got real nervous. And we thought, he's not going to do this. He's really not going to do this. Um, And then all of a sudden, he starts falling. And we just had to catch him. And we almost dropped him, but we caught him. And we were playing this game. And we all learned a valuable lesson about trust. You see, trust is very important in our life because trust means that we're actually putting action into something we believe. Trust means that we're actually doing something with what we believe. So let's think through this for a moment. Based on what you know about faith. See, faith and trust sometimes go hand in hand. And I want us to talk about that a little bit today. But based on what you know about faith, before we even go any further, in your bulletin, if you're taking notes, you can jot this down, make a note here. But based on what you know about faith, I want you to rank your faith or rate your faith on a scale of one to five. One meaning you don't have a lot of faith. You don't have a lot of hope. You don't have a lot of faith. Uh, you're really unsure in your faith. And five, meaning you have so much faith, you have enough faith for you and three other people. Okay? So I know that's a small scale, but just circle a number there. Based on what you know about faith right now, before we go any further, what is? how would you rate your faith? How would you rate your faith? You see, as we went... And did this trust game in youth group. It taught me that when we put things in action and we trust something, we trust that they're going to believe that they're going to catch us. It goes hand in hand with our faith. So let's ask you the next question. How would you rate your trust when it comes to your faith? Faith in believing in something to happen, but trust means I'm going to put something in action to live that out. How would you rate your trust when it comes to your faith? How would you rate your trust when it comes to your faith? You see, there, there's many places in Scripture that talk about faith. One of the most common that gives us a great standing definition is from the Hebrews writer as he defines faith for us. And he defines faith as this. The confident assurance that what we hope for is going to happen. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. And that's from Hebrews 11.1. The confident assurance that what we hope for is going to happen. The evidence of things that we cannot see. And so as we look to God's word in John's gospel, chapter 9, I want to read from verses 35 to 41 for us this morning. You follow along as I read. You can follow along on the screen as well. John's Gospel, chapter 9, verse 35. When Jesus heard what had happened, he found the man and asked, Do you believe in the Son of Man? The man answered, Who is he, sir? I want to believe in him. You have seen him, Jesus said, and he is speaking to you. Yes, Lord, I believe, the man said, and he worshiped Jesus. Then Jesus told him, I entered in this world, I entered this world to render judgment, to give sight to the blind and to show those who think they see that they are blind. Some Pharisees who were standing nearby heard him and asked, are you saying we're blind? If you were blind, you wouldn't be guilty, Jesus replied, but you remain guilty because you claim you can see. This is the word of the Lord for us today. Thanks be to God. I want to walk us through this story because it's a clear picture of what faith really means in our life. Our scripture lesson is in verse 35. We, we start with this statement, when Jesus heard what had happened, Verse 35, when Jesus heard what had happened. I don't know, but when I hear that, it makes me think, well, what happened? What happened? So I got to go back and I got to read what happened so we can see what Jesus is talking about here. And so this causes some decide- these, some questions. So as you go back in Scripture to in chapter 9, you can turn back a page and you can see in verse number 1, we see what had happened. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. He had been blind from birth. So this statement right here that starts off what had happened causes the disciples to ask some questions of Jesus. If he was born blind, Jesus, was he blind because of the sin of his parents or the sin of himself? You see, the Old Testament customs, the Old Testament upbringing caused people to think that our sins carried over generationally. The Old Testament thinking was if if my grandma and grandpa committed a sin, then that's going to fall to my parents and that's going to fall to me and so on and so forth. And that sin is going to continue to, to live out and manifest itself in our lives. And so this, this boy was born blind, and so they're asking the question of Jesus. Was he blind from birth because of his parents, or was it something he did? And they're, they're wanting answers for this. They're wanting to know, and Jesus is there. He's teaching them, and he's, he begins to go through this story with them. Jesus is talking about this man's story he meets this man that is blind and he is talking to him. And as he's talking to him in this story, you read in chapter 9. I want you to go read it for yourself. And uh, I'm just going to kind of um, give you the translation version of it this morning. But as he's talking to this blind man, they meet this bland, blind man. Jesus begins writing in the dirt. And not only that, he spits in the dirt. And he starts to really get dirty and make mud with his spit in the dirt while this man's talking to him. Let me ask you a question. If you're talking to somebody, do you ever get distracted? It, it doesn't mean that their story's boring or that they're boring, but sometimes we there's people like me and people, I'm sure there's some like you because some of you chuckled at that. We start listening and then all of a sudden... We start doodling in our mind. Or if we were like Jesus, we'd get down in the dirt and start playing in the dirt. And you're like, hey, I'm talking to you. Can you listen to me? Can you pay attention? Well, Jesus starts playing in the dirt. He starts making mud. He starts getting messy while this man is trying to tell him, Jesus, I need your help. And Jesus begins to make mud and it makes me wonder and I'm sure the disciples wondered because they'd seen him do miracles up to this point. Why is he making mud? Couldn't Jesus just have touched the man? Couldn't he have just spoken the words and this man would have been healed? Couldn't he do something different besides playing in the dirt while he's trying to tell him the story? He makes the mud, he puts it on his eyes and he instructs the blind man. He says, go and wash In the pool of Siloam. I want to give you a spoiler alert to the story, okay? If the man obeys Jesus, he'll be healed. If he does what he says, if he puts trust in his faith of this man who's making mud and then puts it on his... Good thing he was blind, you know? If I wasn't blind and somebody makes the mud and goes to put it on my face, I'd probably be ready to fight. Here, this is a free story, you know it's true because it just happened to me yesterday. I, you know I was teasing Ronnie, uh, our, our son and, and he was sitting on the couch watching watching the game with me yesterday and I was getting a little agitated. I said, uh, Ronnie, you want to fight?" He's like, no. I said, come on, let's just, let's just take some of our aggression out. You take your glasses off first because I don't want to break your glasses. You see, Ronnie without his glasses is blind. <laughs> so we didn't, we didn't fight or wrestle or mess around there. But later on in the day, I asked him again. I said, hey, Ronnie, you want to fight? No, Dad, I don't want to fight. <laughs> I said, take your glasses off. We're going to fight. So he took his glasses off. Well, then he can't see. <laughs> so then I'm messing with his glasses. You know, being a bully, I was bullying my kid. I was playing with him. But I was thinking about that in this story. You know, this guy's blind and he doesn't know that Jesus is making mud. And all of a sudden, he probably feels this slapped on his face. Go and wash in the pool and you'll be healed. And so the man does it. He goes and he washes in the pool. And the man is healed. This man who has been born blind, he's never seen anything in his life before. He washes the mud of Jesus's spit off of his face and out of his eyes. And now he can see like never before. Hmm. It would be really cool to just see that miracle and be like, wow, God, Through your son, Jesus, this is so awesome. And then we just believe it and our faith grows and we walk out. But that's not what happened. You see, it caused more questions. Doubt begins to circulate again and it begins to set in in the people around him that are following Jesus. The people that know this man who's been born blind, they struggle to believe him. And they struggle to think, well, this, this maybe this can't even be the same guy. The neighbors of this man see what happened. And the Pharisees, they were they were struggling to see what's going on and and understand it. And not only that, this happened on the Sabbath day. So now laws have been broken. So the Pharisees go to the neighbors because the neighbors they've seen this, this man this every day of his life. They've seen that he's blind, that he cannot see. They know him, they know the family. So the Pharisees go to the neighbors and they ask the question, is this the same man? (laughs) I don't know how old this man was at this time, but I can just imagine that they'd been neighbors for quite some time. They'd probably seen each other every day. And so the Pharisees go to the neighbors and say, is this the same guy? Their answer to me is just baffling. I don't know, but it sure looks like him. You've seen him every day. How do you not know that's him? Maybe he's got a twin. How would you not know that there were twins? How would you not know that this is the same man? You're in a relationship with these people. You live right next door. And yet you're going to doubt what's really happened to this man. The neighbors don't even know what to say. It surely looks like Kim. Hmm. The blind man, though, he owns the miracle. He owns it. He says, I am the same man. You can believe what's happened to me. And he retells his story. I don't know about you, but if I was born blind and somebody slapped some mud on my face and I went and washed it off and then I could see like never before, I would want to tell everybody about it. You see, the blind man had a story to tell. This last week, I ran into a guy that had a story to tell. We were, we were eating at a new place that we'd never eaten before in the four, uh, four plus years we've lived here. And uh, we went into this new place and we sat down with our family and we we're eating. And all of a sudden, this guy taps me on the shoulder. And he asked me a question. He says, how, how is it that you're able to feed all of these kids? I said, that's a really good question. And we start talking back and forth. And before long, he starts telling me his story. His incredible story. This man had been hit by a truck and lived. He starts telling, uh, as soon as I said that, some of you know who this man is. And he starts talking to me. I'd never met him before. We sat there and talked for 30 minutes about his story. And he's telling me about how God has helped him and saved him and and helped this incredible, incredible change in his life by getting hit by a truck to to now God's used it to allow him to bless other people. And he goes on and on and he talks about God saved my life so that I could tell others about him. And I can't tell you how many times he said that to me. He had a story to tell and I looked at him and I said, brother, it's so cool to hear your story. I'm so glad you shared your story with me. I wish more people would share their story with us. And as he continued to share his story, he said, God's blessed me. He's he saved my life, but he's also blessed me. He said, I want to bless you. I want to pay for your dinner tonight. And I said, man, you don't have to. He goes, no, I don't have to. You're right, but I want to because of what God did for me. I want to do it and bless you as well. And so I've learned over the years you don't you don't deny somebody a blessing. And I I didn't know the man. I talked to him for 30 minutes. I kind of thought, well, I don't know if he's serious or not. You know, he he left the the restaurant and we we're still eating and we finished eating and our waitress didn't bring us the check and so I walk over to the place to pay and I said, "Yeah, we're at this table. Can I pay for my check?" And she looks down and she goes, "No, you can't." It's already been taken care of. I told my kids, I said, this man had a story to tell. And because we listened to his story, because we believed his story, because we shared this interaction, he was able to bless us. That's pretty cool. So you never know what will happen when you share your story. You see, this blind man, he owns the miracle. Did you know that if you're treating your faith in God as more than just belief in something that you haven't seen, but you're really trusting God every day of your life, then you too have a story to tell. The Pharisees, this wasn't good enough for them. They'd heard it from the neighbors, they'd heard it from the man, but they begin to argue among themselves. Isn't it fun to watch religious people argue? And they see in verse 16 what they're concerned about. It says, some of the Pharisees said, this can't be Jesus. Only sinners would work on the Sabbath. But how could an ordinary sinner do miraculous works? And so the Pharisees, the religious people, they were divided. They were arguing. They were bickering. This happened on the Sabbath day. We have strict rules against this kind of thing happening. And you see, the religious people rejected the miracle because they were too busy focused on who could they go get in trouble for breaking the law. They had to find out who needed to be punished. It made me think about that for a minute. When rules are more important than what Jesus has done for you in your life, then we have a problem. When the rules are more important than what Jesus has done in your life, we have a problem. Jesus has done something, tell it. Jesus did something, and I love, this is is free, this is extra, but Jesus reminds us that God created the Sabbath. The Sabbath wasn't created for man or for God. God created the Sabbath. So if Jesus, the Son of Man, the Son of God, wants to work on the Sabbath, then I don't know about you, but I want Him to do a miracle on the Sabbath. I don't care what day of the week it is. Amen? God, do your best. (laughs) Today, we're right here in your house. Do your best. Do your work on the Sabbath. I won't get mad. When rules are more important than what God can do in your life, we have a problem. The story continues. They say, this can't be Jesus. The man tells them, I don't know who it was, but I know the facts. The facts are the facts. I was blind, but now I can see. You don't believe me. You don't believe the neighbors. So now the Pharisees say, let's go ask the parents. Let's go find out from the parents. And they go to the parents and they ask the parents two questions. These questions are very important. They may not seem like it, but they're very important. The first question is very easy. Or at least I would hope it would be easy. And I can, I can see them addressing the woman, the, the mom. And they say to her, is this your son? Pretty simple question. Am I right? Mothers, if you have a child, you're going to know it. Yeah. Is this your son? Cut and dry. Easy. Yes, this is our son. Yes, he was born blind. He's never seen a day in his life. Second question, though. Hmm, It's tough. Who did this to your son? Who did this to your son? Why is this question so important? This question is so important because of the religious atmosphere in this community. Because if they say Jesus, if they say Jesus, they are blaspheming the rules of of what they believe. If they say Jesus, the teachers and the leadership of the church, the synagogue could say, you know what? You are in the wrong and we are going to kick you out of the synagogue. You know, it's it, back then it wasn't like it is today. I mean, it is today now. You get mad at me or you don't like what we're doing and you just leave. And, and people do that in churches all over the country. They don't like this or that and they just leave. But in those days... Belonging to the synagogue, to the church, was a social, a social acceptance. It was a livelihood. It was, you were accepted because you belonged. And so if the synagogue leaders were going to kick you out, you were basically being shunned from the entire community. Boy, that sounds like a church I want to belong to, doesn't it? Are you guys awake? So they're, they're, they're really thinking about this question. And I assume uh, from my studies and from other just assumptions of reading God's word in this story, that this this son of theirs must have been at an age where he could kind of make decisions for himself. And so the parents think about this for a moment, this tough question of who did this to your son? And they think, you know, if we say this, we could get kicked out. If we don't say it, then we're telling a lie because we know who it was. So I got—I know what we'll do, what what any good parent will do. We'll just put it back on the kid. (laughs) Yeah. He says, why don't you just go ask him? Go ask the man again. Here's what I think is really cool about their statement, though, and their answer. They say, go ask him again. You see, he's already owned the miracle once. He's already told his story. He's continuing to tell his story, most likely as this continues to play out. And they tell him, go tell, ask him again. Why are they doing that? I think this is so cool. This was like a new revelation for me this week. I think they said this, not because they were dodging a question. I believe they said this because they knew that their son would tell them the truth again and he would point them to Jesus. Wow. In other words, they were not just dodging the naysayers. They were pointing the naysayers back to Jesus. So the question that comes to us today is your faith and trust in God pointing people to Jesus. This is still huge for us today. Is your faith and trust in God pointing people to Jesus? Or is your lack of faith and your lack of trust in God for your life pointing people to things other than Jesus that cannot ultimately help someone know God and get to heaven. This is really serious for us because if we take an inventory of our life, our faith, we're all people of faith or we probably wouldn't be here this morning. Let's just be real. And if our faith, our trust in our life being lived out in front of others is not pointing people to Jesus, then we probably have some work to do. Because if our faith and trust is in things that are not Jesus, and our lives reflect that more than what Jesus reflects in our lives, in reality, we're pointing people to something that is not of God. And we need to be very careful of that. Because I don't know about you, but I know, like the, like the good old song says, I don't know about tomorrow, but I know who holds tomorrow. I'm not going to point them to somebody who doesn't have the answers. I want to point them to Jesus. Jesus knows. Jesus has the answers. Jesus is the one who can ultimately change our lives. You might be saying, Pastor, I want to point people to Jesus, but I still have so many questions myself. I sometimes question what God's doing. I sometimes question why God's allowing certain things to happen. I get it. That's okay. That's okay. Here's here's something you may not hear and maybe you have, maybe you haven't heard it for a while. It is okay to question your faith. Let me say that again. It is okay to question your faith. Here's why. Because if you're questioning your faith, if you're asking questions about who God is, about his characteristics, about what he wants to do for you, why he's doing certain things, and you're going to God with those questions, guess what? He entertains that. Guess why? Because he wants a relationship with you. And if you're asking questions of the God Almighty in heaven who created you, who has all the answers, I can just imagine that good, good father up there with a big smile saying, Come here, my child. Let me tell you the answer. Wow. I'm so glad that God doesn't point us to things that are not of him, he'll point us back to his word. He'll point us back to prayer. He'll point us back to fellowship with other believers. He will not. He is not a God of chaos, of confusion. He's a God of clarity and purpose and a plan. So if you have questions about your faith, then I would tell you, don't go to some guru who thinks they have all the answers. Go to the one who made you. He will give you the answers. It's okay to ask questions about God. He wants to point you back to Jesus. The story continues. We go back to the man and we ask him again for the details. The third confrontation with the man. And he's tired of it. He states the facts. He tells the truth. He owns what God has done in his life again. When God changes your life, Let me just give you a bit of encouragement. Own it. When God changes your life, own it. Claim it. Live in it. Tell others about it because it's so vitally important. If he changed your life, he can change somebody else's life. Amen? Don't be afraid to tell your story. When God changes your life, own it. Verse 27 says, look, I told you once, didn't you listen? Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? Ooh, (laughs) this made them furious. Their pride gets in their way. They go back to their their training. They go back to what they've known. They said, we are Moses' disciples, bless God. We know that Moses heard from God. And so we are Moses' disciples. We don't know anything about this man. Side note, real quick. Don't let your pride get in the way of what God's done in your life and you telling others about it. Don't let your pride get in the way if you're, if you're following something that's not of God and it's not His word and it's not Him telling you and revealing something to you. Don't let your pride get in the way of continuing to follow something that's not of God. You see, this man was given an opportunity to have a personal interaction with Jesus. He didn't have to go through somebody else. He didn't have to wait for somebody to come and and do some ritual for him, and then he could set an appointment, and then he could come and show up and and then he could hope that it wasn't a bad day and that he'd, that he'd get taken care of. It wasn't any of that. He had a personal relationship with Jesus from that point on. Jesus changed his life. And so many times we let our own pride get in our way of a personal relationship with Jesus. We start, we start following something else so religiously that it becomes who we are looking to or what we're looking to for answers when in reality, it's not God. And we let our pride get in our way and we say things like, well, they've got to be telling us what God's saying because they're, they're in the word. Then you get in the word too. Because if God can tell them, he can tell you. And so many times we start following things. You see, what a disciple is, folks, is somebody who follows. And so if we're not following God, are we really a disciple of God? If we're following something that's not of God, we got to be careful, folks. we got to be very careful that our pride doesn't seep in and say, well, I'm going to trust them because let me ask you this question. Do you have a personal relationship with that person you're following or that thing you're following? You see, this person had a personal interaction with Jesus that changed his life. He had a personal relationship that changed everything. It wasn't some story it wasn't another avenue it was God himself See the man tells him again do you want to be his disciple too <laughs> The final confrontation takes place verse 35 where we where we read from our scripture lesson this morning When Jesus heard what had happened he found the man Jesus went to seek him out again. Jesus went after the blind man. He hears what's going on. He sees the questions that are coming to this man who he's just changed his life. And he says, I've got to go find him again. Jesus seeks him out. He goes after him. And he says to the blind man who's now can see, he says, do you believe in the son of man? Do you believe in the Son of Man? This translation literally says, are you putting your faith and trust in God? Are you putting your faith and trust in God? Can we go to this? You see, Jesus is testing his relationship. He's testing the man. He's saying, do you really want a relationship with me? do you really believe that I am who I say I am? And the man responds, (laughs) I hope how we all would respond. Who is he? Because I would like to. You see, the man owns it once again. He puts his faith into action and he says, I don't know him, but I want to know him now. So, my question to us today is this Has God changed your life through Jesus Christ? If so, have you continued to put your trust in God in your life, to put your faith to the test by letting God have control of your story? Are you climbing up on that second picnic table? Saying, God, I know things are going crazy. I know I say I believe in you, that I'm following you, but I've really struggled to trust you lately. I want to fall off this picnic table of life and trust that I'm going to fall into your arms. Do you know the Son of Man? Do you want to? Jesus seeks out the man and he says, I am right in front of you. So, does Jesus need to seek you out today? Are you struggling in your faith? Are you struggling to trust him? And maybe Jesus is coming to you in your life and in your moment, and he's saying, I'm right here in front of you. I'm right here. You are not blind, but you say you can see, but you can't see me, so you are guilty. I'm coming after you. I want you to trust me. I want you to put your faith in me. Jesus says to him, you are looking at him right now. And the man says, I believe. I believe. So as we close out this this time of our scripture lesson today, I just want to ask you the question again today. Where is your faith in God today? Where is your faith? Maybe you go back up to your outline notes where you circled before and maybe you just have a really reflective moment with God and say, God, man, I circled this earlier, but maybe I'm not really there. What level of trust do you have in God's purpose today? I can just picture Jesus standing in front of us in this moment. Standing in front of our blind selves. He's got the mud in his hands. He says, here, let me put this on your eyes. Let me put my mud on your face. I'm standing right in front of you. Do you trust me? Do you believe in me? what's our response to Jesus today when we stop just believing and we start putting our trust and our faith we need to start putting our trust in our faith again it's one thing to believe it's another thing to go this next step and to trust the bible tells us it's one thing to believe because even the demons believe i don't know about you but i don't want to be on their team If the demons believe something is true and they shudder, the Bible says, I don't want to believe something is true and not do anything about it. James 2.19 says, Do you still think it's enough to just believe there is one God? Well, even the demons believe this and they tremble in terror. Wow. What is faith? What is faith? Faith is believing in Jesus Christ and trusting him with your life. So I want to encourage us today. Let's begin to have true faith today. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? I'm going to ask the praise team to come back, and we're going to sing a song of victory in just a moment. But I want to pray for us before we go today. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Father God, as we're preparing to go on to the next thing, would you just pause our hearts for a moment? Would you help us to take this moment and just reflect on the truth of your word? Jesus, you've changed my life. And I thank you for what you've done in my life. You've transformed me. I would not be who I am if it wasn't for you, God. And I'm so thankful for your transformation in my life. God, help me even today as we walk out of this place to continue to put my trust in you. Continue, Lord, to help me to put feet to my faith. Help me to fall back into your arms and to trust that you have me. God, I pray for any person here today that is struggling. Maybe they circled a one or a two and they're really just struggling with really believing that you are God and that you are real. God, would you just show yourself to them right now? Would you become so real to them that would be like mud slapping their face? God, would you help them to go and wash and if they circled one or two in their trust, as they wash, Lord, their face, as they open their eyes to see you standing in front of them, would you help us, Lord, to move down that rating and to put a four or five and say, I trust you with all of my life, God. God, we learned last week, and it's still true today, we have to make this decision every day. It's a daily decision to trust you. We have to use daily determination to walk with you. But Lord, we have to have daily discipline to hear your voice in our life. Help us, Lord, to trust you, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.